speed at which technology and information are in the hands of the shopper means the disruption can happen really fast. That's making it hard for retailers and brands to safeguard their future. I almost think you can't safeguard the future. If I think about that, then I won't be so stayed in my understanding of the dynamics of the marketplace. Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McCarter. Hello, listeners. It's Katrina McCarter, your host. In today's episode, we speak with Wendy Liebman and we discuss how mums shop retail. Now, Wendy is the founder of WSL. It's a global consultancy that helps clients anticipate change in order to build very innovative shopper-led retail strategies. And Wendy is recognised as one of the innovators of Shopper Insights in the US. Her goal is all about getting executives out of their ivory towers to meet shoppers on the selling floor, whether that be physical or digital. So in this episode, Wendy shows us why mums in their role as chief household shoppers are vitally important to the future of retail around the globe. Wendy discusses the speed at which shoppers are changing right now and shares plenty of insights into how brands and retailers can stay ahead of the game. Wendy shares with us which brands are getting it right across a vast range of industries, including apparel, beauty, consumer goods and more, and tells us where the opportunity lies. So specifically, what do Wendy and I talk about? Well, we kick off with why Wendy focuses on the shopper rather than the consumer. We talk about how shoppers are different to what they were even six months ago. And Wendy points out how brands can keep up with these rapid changes in shoppers. Wendy points out the importance of both formal and informal research. And she talks about why marketers need to understand the moments of mums. She talks about efficient solutions and multi-purpose products and why they win. She talks about the future trends into 2020 in retail and identifies key trends impacting the beauty industry. We touch on an opportunity very dear to my heart, which is mothers aged 45 plus. And Wendy points out the differences that she sees between Australian and American shoppers. She talks about mum's retail experience expectations and highlights some companies that are doing a great job in retail experiences for mums. I hope you enjoy my interview with Wendy as we explore how mums shop retail. Today, our guest on the show is Wendy Liebman. Wendy, welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. Thank you, Katrina. This is a pleasure. It's wonderful to have you on the show, Wendy. Now, can I ask, you have launched WSL Strategic Retail more than 30 years ago, and you are considered quite the disruptor and continue to be so. You focus on the shopper as opposed to the consumer. And I'd love you to share with our listeners a little bit about what you do and how you help brands and retailers. It's a it's been an interesting journey. The the focus on the shopper has been so important because that notion of retail changing so much and it's really changed in the last 30 years but especially in the last 30 months that it's not enough anymore just to think about how people consume products or use them. But because retail's changed so much, you really need to understand how People are making choices about where they buy the goods and services that they do. You know, in the day when I first came here uh, from Australia, that the choices were so, you know, so limited, relatively speaking. And as that began to change, consumers began to change the way they bought products. So the focus for us is to help our clients think about how people 
will make the decisions in terms of where they buy. And, and by that I mean it's not just enough to say who am I and what time of day is it and what do I need, but rather we focus a lot on asking people to help us understand what their lives are like first. So, so we, we talk a lot about shopping life And that seems an odd term, but it's really about how are people living their lives? What are the economic, social, political, technological issues that are impacting their lives? And then how does that ultimately determine where they might spend their money, on what, uh, how often, uh, and, and all the different ways they might engage in a selling environment? So we really, really push our clients very hard to think more broadly about their uh, target consumer and their lives and think about that as a context for how they then determine where are they going, how are they going, how might their behaviours change. So that's sort of the lens of helping our clients you know, we say it's the shopper stupid when they don't when they don't pay attention. But yeah, how do they focus and understand the broader context of somebody's life and how that'll impact where they buy goods and services? Wonderful. So essentially, you're helping your clients get into the shopper's head. Absolutely. If they want to get into their pocketbooks, into their wallets, they're going to have to get into their heads first, especially today, because the decision making process is very different. The choices people make are very different uh, and it's not the typical competitive environment that we might have seen 20, 30, even 10 years ago. Okay. And, and Wendy, what kind of clients do you work with? Quite diverse. We work with both retailers, manufacturers and service companies. We work across a lot of different categories because people choose to spend their money in different ways. So it could be beauty, health, food, financial services, entertainment, and retailers across the spectrum from mass, you know, drug stores and discounters to department stores to online retailers. So our focus is really to think through the lens of the shopper's world and look at the way they engage and spend their money across all of those. So it's quite quite a global, if you will, a quite a macro view. Yeah, great. Now, listen, I saw in a recent presentation that you were speaking about how shoppers are different from what they were three to six months ago. And I wanted to ask you, look, is the rate of change really that fast? And if it is, how are brands and retailers expected to keep up? You know, how did they safeguard their future? (sighs) Well, the notion of safeguarding the future is it's almost like old world, right? Uh, but, but I do think the truth is change is, is really fast. And in some degrees, that's my hyperbole of three to six months. But, but the fact of the matter is, when you think about the power of information today, that I can today see something about a brand or a store or a website that Three months ago, six months ago, either I didn't know or didn't exist because it's a new pop-up or indie brand or something like that. The fact that I might learn from that, see that, get more information about it and then choose to go and buy something really disrupts what a traditional retailer might have been doing. They couldn't even envision that was happening and it wouldn't have happened three, six nine months ago, 12 months ago, any of that, because technology has changed our access to things. And, and, you know, if we think, if we step back to even four or five years ago, you'd have big brands spending a lot of media dollars. Uh, It was very hard for small companies to get a, a foothold. That's not the case anymore. So the speed at which technology and information are in the hands of the shopper means that the disruption can happen really, really fast. And that's what's making it very hard for retailers and brands to safeguard their future. I almost think if you're really smart, you have to assume that you can't safeguard the future. So you really have to be, it could give you a nervous breakdown, of course, quickly. Your hair could be on fire really fast too. But that notion of how do I just assume something's going to change very fast and how do I, if I think about that, then I won't be so stayed in my 
uh, understanding of the dynamics of the marketplace. Right. So is it really that in in order to stay relevant, it, it I guess it's even more important to be in your shopper's head? Absolutely. I mean, think about yourself as a shopper. Think about things you do today as a busy mum that you didn't do a year ago. Sometimes we forget, right? And certainly we play multiple roles, particularly as women, we play multiple roles. But so often, sad to say, a lot of the, excuse the expression, me being very sexist, that, you know, men who run big companies are not exposed to all of that change. And so that makes it quite difficult for them to recognize the speed of this change. So staying in the shopper's head, in their shoes, all of those, you know, analogies is, is, has never been more important. Mm, I'm hearing a really strong need to uh, be very research driven then as well, constantly researching. It's not like you're researching every three to five years then anymore. Oh, absolutely true. And I think part of it is both the formal and informal research. I mean, informal is, you know, I sit on the subway, the number one subway line, you know, every day that I'm I'm in the city at least um, when I'm not on the planes or trains. And I sit on that subway line and I'm always observing. My, my team laugh at me because they say, oh, she's just gotten off the train and she's seen, seen another trend just because I'm watching people. So observing uh, is really important. You know, looking at how people are using social media or what they're watching uh, is really important, as well as very formalized research. But it really isn't enough to be doing sort of major research, research initiatives every five years anymore. You'll just, you'll be behind so fast that you'll really lose the tenor of the change or the, the you know, the, the smell and feel of, of what's beginning to change. Mm, that's fascinating. Okay. WSL Strategic Retail is very well known for your proprietary research, which I, I believe is called How America Shops. Is that correct? That's right. The, the work obviously we do in the US is called How America Shops. We do work outside the US, but yeah, that's the one we've been doing and funding for ourselves for a, for a long time. Okay. Now, I read in your report, which I think was titled Future Trends in 2020 in Retail, and that revealed that 80% of shoppers will buy what they need wherever they happen to be. And I found this fascinating, and I wanted to understand what impact this is going to have for brands who are trying to attract mums specifically, and what do they need to do to adapt to this change in consumer behaviour? It's, it's a really big number, right? It's one of those numbers that I always say to people, you need to stick on your wall in front of your desk or on your phone or as a you know screensaver or something. Because what it really says to us is two things, in, in, especially in this country, but not only in the US. It says that the ubiquity of choice and places that I can buy things is so dramatic today that it's not that people don't have a preferred place to go and shop. They often do. But if, for example, they've forgotten something or they're on the way somewhere else, then it's like, oh, gee, I forgot thee, fill in the blank. And it's like, oh, I'll just drop in at this store because, or go online at 11 o'clock at night because I can now and it just gets it off the list for me. So the fact that the days when people only shopped in a few places and they had a very specific list for that, those places, that, that, that's gone. And so that changes the way we need to think as marketers, as retailers, uh, as researchers, when we try to engage or we focus on how do we engage with shoppers, especially busy mums. And I'll tell you this, the thing, the thing that's really been fascinating to me is watching how busy families and especially busy mums have found ways to be more and more efficient. So if I'm a marketer or a retailer, I have to understand the moments, the trips, the needs, the need states of my shoppers because there are certain times that if I tap into that right moment, I can solve her problem or solve his problem if it's a busy dad, but solve her problem and really build some loyalty with her. But if I don't understand her and solve an issue for her or address an issue for her, then she may just as likely go somewhere else because it's there. 
the brands there, the products there, the categories there, it's open at the right time. So I think what it says more and more to me at least is that you really need to understand her and her life stage and her life need at that moment if you're going to ensure that you reach her as opposed to having her go off and do what she needs without any involvement from you. You actually said something in, in Marketing to Mums that struck me ages ago when I when I read it, and it was really about how I think you used a case study of of, of somebody who they were, they were focused in their business. They weren't focused enough on a specific segment of mums that they needed. And I think those that sort of research and understanding is more and more important than ever because if you don't fine-tune your understanding, then there are so many places people can shop today for the same sort of stuff that there's a real risk that they will you'll lose them at an occasion and they'll go off somewhere else. I agree a lot with you there, Wendy. You said something there that really resonated with me where you spoke about mums wanting to get something, quote, off the list. And convenience is very attractive, you know, being able to get something when they need it. And I agree with you, the importance of doing that, I guess, customer journey mapping and really getting inside mum's head to understand where she is, is, is critical if you're going to be successful in this space. It's really true. And sometimes it's really small things. I mean, a, a a couple of years ago, and I, I suppose I can name names, nobody will mind, there was, a, there was a really good case study, very simple when you thought about it, but there was some work that was done around understanding when mums made the decision about what's for dinner tonight. And in all this, in the, all this, you know, thinking and understanding of this, there was a recognition that in many cases, mums made the decision around four o'clock in the afternoon busy coming from work or picking up the kids or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my heavens, now what are we having for dinner? So Coca-Cola and Walmart got together in the US and they recognized that if they could reach mum at that moment, usually when she's got the kids in the car, and provide her with an efficient solution, it was a big solution for her, mum would be really thrilled and it would address, you know, lots of, everybody would be happy. So they created a proposition. They First of all, they used radio, which feels so old hat in some cases because she was often in the car. They used radio to reach her and, and in, you know, encourage her to come to her local Walmart in the US and they had a packaged meal solution for her that she could, you know, just pop in, get it quickly and leave quickly. It was Coke and a pizza, which probably is not the healthiest thing in the world, but it was a meal solution. They understood when she was making decisions, and it was just a smart way to think about it uh, in, in really solving a need and understanding who she was at that moment in time. And can I just say, as a mother of three hungry teenagers, <laughs> that uh, it's actually here in Australia we find that that, that question is posed more around 4.30 or 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock okay. in particular, and uh, right. it is the most dreaded words that a mother hears is what's for dinner, particularly if you might be someone who doesn't enjoy the kitchen like myself. Well, or you've got lots of other things on your mind. So that's all right. That's not a bad thing. It's just how do we help, how do retailers and manufacturers help you out? Absolutely. And that is um, a really big opportunity here in Australia as, as well. So I appreciate you touching on that, Wendy. Before we continue with the podcast episode, I want to tell you about our podcast sponsor, Cooperate. Cooperate is a powerful marketing technology platform that allows marketers to visualize your brand's customer journey, deliver great content at each stage of that journey, and see how it all performs, all managed from one centralized location. Cooperate has been built by marketers for marketers. I've actually had the opportunity to see the platform in action and I genuinely think it's worth taking a look at if you're a marketer managing large brands which want to attract more mums. Now let's head back to the podcast.
I'm keen to actually move over into a a specific industry if I can. And um, I understand that you have spent a lot of your career actually working in the beauty industry or actually consulting to beauty brands. Uh, You were the director of marketing at Revlon International. You were the vice president of marketing for Dell Laboratories prior to launching WSL Strategic Retail. And actually, in my research, in 2015, you were listed as one of the 50 most powerful women in beauty. Given your strong beauty background, I'd really love to tap into your expertise and ask you about some of the key trends in impacting the beauty industry. I wanted to understand what what kind of trends are you seeing and what's important for marketers to know if they're wanting to attract more mothers to their beauty brands? Big opportunity. Yes, huge opportunity. Well, I'll tell you this, in terms of an industry that's that's being disrupted, it's it's just one example um, at very high test levels. And There are two or three things that are going on here. One is there's been a huge growth of what at least they call in this country indie brands. I call them ankle biter brands, not as elegant. Uh, But these small businesses, small companies, you know, you get the sort of impression of this wild and crazy, fabulous person mixing up some amazing red lipstick formula in her sink, not quite, but you know what I mean, or some great skincare product, building it, creating it herself having it manufactured and because of the the opportunities through social media and, uh, you know, independent online retail or big box online retail, launching these products. So there's been a huge appetite in this market for these indie beauty brands. And there's a wide variety across lots of different categories from colour cosmetics to skincare to hair colour, fragrance. And what's been interesting about that, the appetite's been created really because this sense of newness and innovation and not just the more established legacy brands. And so we're seeing a lot of that growth here that's changing the dynamics because if I'm a big global brand, sometimes I'm very slow. I'm not, I can't be as fast to, to, to jump on a trend of whether it's blue nail polish or blue hair color for that matter, or some cannabis enhanced skincare, which is all the rage at the moment. But so there's this speed to market of all these new brands that are emerging and not only younger shoppers, but older shoppers really intrigued by all of this and and having access again, this is the impact of access to information, being able to uh, do their own homework, think about them, talk to friends and family, find out more, and then, you know, either buy them online or in small stores and over time in, in larger stores. So we're seeing lots of disruption in the beauty business with a lot of lot of high-level interest, especially in products and categories that are um, skincare-driven or health and wellness-driven or multi-purpose products. And, and they're very interesting within the context of, of mums, young mums, older mums. You know, one of the things I learned, not, a, not being a mum, but observing a lot of them, is, you know, mums have no time, right? Um, look who I'm talking to, no time. And so the ability to have a product that can do multiple things for you, that can be a, you know, a skincare product with a little colour in it, that can be a, uh, you know, a hair care something, a gel that's got a bit of shiny something to it, things that you can use really fast when the kids are knocking on the bathroom door. Those kinds of, those kinds of products, products that have, give you a moment to relax. There's a big trend here at the moment in masks, you know, that five minute moment. I will tell you that somebody told me the other day where they use their mask because they only have those five minutes and they put their mask on while they're doing something else. Uh, But those kinds of things of products that have multiple benefits that make life a little less stressful, uh, those kinds of things are really having an impact in the industry as well. So lots of new unusual brands, multi-purpose products, and this whole notion in in health and beauty at the moment, particularly in beauty, around this proposition of of wellness and well-being. So that's the other piece. And in that sense, products that actually are good for you, that are free from harmful ingredients, uh, that's making a a real play in in the beauty market as well, both from retailers and manufacturers who are developing those products. And even 
the holistic side of beauty, which is ingestibles, whether it's, uh, you know, vitamin kind of products that have beauty benefits or uh, ingest or drinking or waters. There's just a, there's a product here called Dirty Lemon, which is actually a, a, an, in, a, an infused water that has everything in it from, uh, I saw the other day, with valerian or rose water or collagen. But these kinds of products that are healthy, that are unique, and that are, you know, have multiple values uh, and make life easier are some of the new trends that we're seeing a lot in beauty. Mm, We're certainly seeing those in Australia as well. I I remember having the opportunity to do a bit of a a retail therapy with you in person, Wendy, uh, around Nolita and the Nolita area in New York. And I think that there was a store called Credo. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, yep. Yeah, which was very much around that natural beauty as as well. So I, I, f- I found that very interesting. We don't have that brand here in Australia. Yes, and that's very focused on what they call clean beauty, which is a term now that people are trying to unpack, as we say, and figure out what that means. But there is really a a, a tremendous interest. I'll tell you the other one that's a, an Australian-driven uh, brand is El McPherson's line, which is called Wellco. Uh, so well in front of L, and that's actually a lot of powders uh, that you drink, um, that you put in in water and drink, that are all about you know internal, external health and well being. So you know the Australians are moving in beyond the coffee market in the new in New York. And that's interesting. I was down. She has a store down in Print in Spring Street, which I I went down to uh, last time I was there, and they're also targeting the. Uh, children's market as well with one of their products there I've seen yeah the teenage children that's right absolutely so there's there's a lot going on in in the in the beauty business in the U.S. in particular as well as different and new retail formats that you just alluded to like credo that are shaking up the traditional retail and also shaking up the traditional brand so a lot going on Mm, okay. I'd love to ask you now about mothers over 45. I tend to call them the invisible women because um, they seem to be very absent from advertising, but they also seem to be pretty uncatered for in the retail environment as well. Uh, I, I talk about them as being cashed up with nothing to buy. And I'd love to get your thoughts and insights around catering to uh, the female uh, over 45 shopper. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I really believe that this is an, uh, an untapped audience, big opportunity. And I don't know, I mean, you know, I could, I could sort of figure out, I could hypothesize what the barriers are, which are all foolish barriers, of course, which we'll discuss in another time. But this notion, I think, of here's, here's a woman who is, who's, figured out mostly, I think, how to get on with her life, juggle lots of things. Kids are either just about out of high school, maybe going to university college here, uh, life opening up a little bit for her, and she's usually got a higher disposable income at this point. And that whole notion of addressing her and offering her services, products, and, and I will tell you that it's in the service area that we're starting to see um, more and more recognition. Uh, and in categories like, in on the, just continuing the beauty conversation for a minute, the sort of beauty services, whether it's, you know, blow dries or uh, quick laser treatments, uh, facial laser treatments, massages, those kinds of things on the one hand, and also travel experiences on the other that, you know, audiences now that or businesses now that recognize that there's somebody there who might want to whip off with a few friends, uh, whether it's on a, you know, a trip or a spa weekend, um, those kinds of things that, that are emerging. But I will tell you that beyond, beyond what, the sort of level of frustration, the heat rising from my head, if you could see it, the, this, this lack of comfort, I think, in recognizing that here is this, you know, knowledgeable, experienced person with probably a bit more money to spend and not being willing to understand her needs uh, is, is really a huge, huge loss on many levels. 
Mm, I see this as one of the biggest opportunities in the mum market, actually. We did some research into 1,800 Australian mums and our overall finding was that 63% of mums in Australia believe that brands don't understand them. This was significantly higher in this upper age group. So I see that this is a, a really a, a big opportunity that brands really need to be looking at. And this uh, this group of women are, uh, are quite angry about the lack of products and services available for them. They feel that they're unsupported actually by brands. Yes, and it does feel like a real, you know, literal metaphorical slap in the face that, you know, you've reached a certain level not really being catered to. I would say it's also incredibly foolish, right, on the part of manufacturers and retailers to not address that. Uh, And I do think it's the service industries a little bit here in financial services uh, where there's more work being done. That's taken a while too, but certainly in, in financial services, investment services, travel, uh, those are areas where there's the beginning, the beginning of that recognition is occurring. But you're right, there are a lot of other areas where, you know, there's just total ignorance about the opportunity and the, uh, even if it's just, even if you just think about it as purely, you know, pragmatic business building as opposed to anything else. There's an opportunity, there's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you have been living in America for a number of decades. Um, <laughs> Indeed. As, as an Australian living in America, I'm really keen to get your thoughts around uh, shopper differences, particularly amongst mothers, you know, being that great observer that you are, Wendy, and doing all of that informal research all the time. What are some of the key activities that differentiate an Australian to an American shopper? Well, it's really interesting. We, we've seen this in our how, how America shops work over the years, and, and we've certainly done research in, in Australia as well. The, I think one of the key differences is, I'm going to call it for the moment access, but it's really choice. So what we see here is while the needs don't necessarily change for mums, you know, mums loaded up, kids working, full-time, part-time, juggling households, sometimes caring for older parents, siblings, friends, all of that. So really, really sandwiched uh, between lots and lots of responsibilities. So that's the same. There's no, there's very little difference in that. I think the, the choice piece is that certainly in the U.S., when we study, you know, sort of big national surveys, what we see is that there are lots more places that either you can be served in terms of, you know, going shopping, fulfilling needs, types of stores, price points, and hours open than you see in Australia. Now, when I grew up in Australia, and, you know, to be truly honest, I arrived here 40 years ago this last month. When I grew up there, you know, the hours open for the stores, the hours open for the banks, the times the doctors were open, all of those things were, were a struggle. But they were also a struggle here until recently. But now, not just because of the, you know, online shopping, the internet, but because of the expanded range of types of retail and types of services, there's a lot more access that uh, mums with incredibly hectic lives, uh, they have to do the things they need to do. And we hear stories, again, on the qualitative side, time and time again of, you know, mums buying, ordering online at, you know, midnight when the kids have finally gone to bed or racing off to the, you know, the supermarket at 11 o'clock at night because it's open and they can. But we also, you know, see them having access to what we would call Main Street uh, medical care of clinics that are open on the Main Street 24 hours a day or banks that are open 24 hours a day. So I think partly because of the size of the population here, but also because of the, the, the many choices, particularly in big urban areas, uh, that's that's one thing that's different. So mum's needs aren't different, but the access to choices uh, is often much more extensive here and mums use those, those options uh, to their very best advantage. So I think that's one. I think that the, there is the other difference that we see are the concerns here about the costs of certain things. Now, you know, I know cost of living in Australia and lots of things is is quite expensive, and I I see that every time I come back. But I see things like the cost of healthcare here, 
And so the concerns parents here have about that cost. I also see the cost of education here. And so when you think about households uh, with kids that and people looking at their budget and how they choose to spend, uh, those things are big uh, responsibilities that really drive the way people think about their budgets and, and what they need to spend on. I had lunch with somebody today, actually, a, a man who's doing garden leave at the moment or whatever you call that, at home taking care of the kids. And he was telling me that, you know, those he's English and he was telling me uh, in living here he's much more conscious of the kinds of things that come out of the budget here that didn't that didn't have that kind of impact on his budget when they were living in that when they were living in England. So I think that's very much the same in Australia. Okay, that's very interesting. Just in terms of access, a lot of that is starting to change here in Australia and it's not uncommon to uh, for mums to fly down to uh, their supermarket at uh, 10 in the evening because uh, it gets one of those jobs again off the list that they don't that they can do at a quieter time or because they have the time. So they're really interesting insights. Needing an energetic, dynamic speaker at your next conference or event? Katrina McCarter, your host of Marketing to Mums, the podcast, speaks around the globe on all aspects related to marketing effectively to mums. You can download her speaker kit at katrinamccarter.com or contact her directly on LinkedIn via her profile, Katrina McCarter. I'm keen to talk now about customer experience. From my research that I've done with Marketing to Mums, we've found that mums' expectations on customer experience seem to be a lot higher than anyone else in the population. And I'm keen to see in your research, have you found mums' expectations differing from other shopper segments that you look at? Yes, we have. And so even in in, in some very recent work we've done and how America shops that we called the big business of well, because it was all this notion about health and well-being sort of moving beyond traditional categories and really being big. What, what we started to see was the fact that particularly for mums, when you think about what they're burdened with, right, lack of time, lots of responsibilities, stress being actually the number one health concern, that barrier to good health, uh, for the general population, but especially for busy mums and younger mums, uh, the need to stretch the budget, all of those kinds of things, those are huge pressures and also to find a moment for themselves. So what does customer experience mean? Sometimes, you know, people think it's all bells and whistles, uh, something fancy and shiny and, you know, glossy. But sometimes it's as simple as I go into a place to shop, I have a baby, I need to breastfeed. Where do I go? Uh, We have a number of mums with young children and children in our office, and that's so often one of the uh, high-rated areas of importance to them. You know, I'm in the Target or I'm in the Walmart, I've got a lot to do on my list, and I need to breastfeed. What do I do? Do I have to leave the store? So sometimes customer experience needs or expectations are as simple as a place to sit and quietly in some degree of private do very basic essential things. Sometimes it's about this recognition that I'm not just a mum with two kids hanging on. I'm a woman. I'm a girl. You know, I'm, I have another personality and another role when I have a moment. So sometimes customer experience is about recognising that and helping her remind herself of who she really is in her other persona. So it's really important to mums, and we see it all the time in all aspects of our research, because she has got so many personalities, her own that she's juggling with, as well as all the little personalities she's trying to deal with around the house. And I think that's why the notion of an experience that isn't just functional is so important, but also just helping her get what she needs done so then she has a bit more time for herself. 
Mm, absolutely. I loved how you tapped on uh, the fact that mum has other roles. You know, she's a woman as well and acknowledging that and helping her, in, you know, indulge in, in other aspects and other interests that she has is actually a really important part and often overlooked. In our research, we've found that mums feel very pigeonholed and stereotyped as, quote, just a mum. And she really wants to be reflected for those other interests that she has. So I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah, we call it the Alice in Wonderland effect. You know, sometimes Alice needs to be very tall because she needs to reach up and whatever. And sometimes she needs to be very small so she can reach through the keyhole. And if you think about her in the context of Alice, you know, yes, sometimes she's a mum, sometimes she's an executive, sometimes she's a girlfriend, you know, sometimes she's a partner. And if you can tap into that, that really is the, that's the gold. That's the goal for her as well as for the brand or the retailer to know who she is when and be able to address that with her. Mm, very, very true. That's that's a, a really great tip there, Wendy. Thank you for sharing that. I'm keen to talk to you about an article that I saw you wrote for Marketing Mag in uh, late 2018 where you were talking about the new Nike store, uh, which is more of an information station and brand experience really than a shop. And I was wondering if you could share uh, what Nike are doing and, and what your viewpoint is from, from a shopper's view. Yes, this is this is a, it's an extraordinary laboratory, really that that they have created in uh, New York City. They have their regular big flagship stores, and of course, they sell in other people's stores. But this store in, in on Fifth Avenue is a, a store that's all about customization. It's all about uh, the digital informational experience, and it's all about creating this uh, or establishing this very high energy vision of what this brand is, not just in the professional market, but in the regular consumer market. And what they've done there is uh, there's lots of technology, but they've uh, you can customize shoes. There's, there's really a lab where you can go in and with people with white coats, make your own shoes. But there are also some very interesting tools they've used. So beyond the dazzle and the screens and the noise and the, you know, the floor signs and all this fabulousness on three or four or five floors, there are also some really interesting things. There's a high level of customer service. So there are people who can help you. Uh, you can order online, go and pick up in store, try them on, make sure everything's fine. They make it easy for you to see the top brands. So they'll do, you know, the top 10 items, not brands, sorry, the top 10 items in the range. So they'll have lists for you. So it's on the one hand, very high tech, as I say, lots of neon, lots of customization, lots of big digital screens that make you feel like you're the most healthy, fit, fabulous sports player in the world. But there are also some really practical things that make shopping easier for you. There's And there's products for mums, dads, kids, you know, independence, all of the above. It's an experience that makes you smile because it's just so high test. I can't wait to see this store, Wendy. So I'm coming over in October and I'm really keen to have a look at, at that experience that, uh, that they're providing in at Nike. I wanted to also ask you about who's doing a good job in retail if we're talking about mums in catering for mums both online and also in the traditional bricks and mortar stores. I'm, I'm encouraged to say there actually there are a few more than probably were about four or five years ago. Some are obvious, uh, maybe not, but obvious to us. Uh, Target here, the American Target, is has has found its footing again. It got a little sidetracked for a while, thinking it was a grocer, but now it's back to lots of great soft goods, home products. Uh, but they're doing a they're doing a very good job on a number of fronts. They've added new brands, lots of great of their exclusive brands for for kids, which is wonderful. Uh, really, a, a nice range of of, of uh, looks and styles, ages, price points, which is really encouraging for mum who's you know she's trying to stretch a budget to have everybody look be happy and look good. That's one part. But they're also, again, creating some spaces within the store where I asked some of our team uh, who are very fond target shoppers who say, you know, there's somewhere I can sit, there's somewhere I can breastfeed, 
uh, there's food in the store that's decent quality that, you know, if the kids need a quick snack or something uh, on the go, I think that's that's part of it. They did something a number of years ago that they've continued to reestablish now is they used to keep, like many of the retailers, their products around in all the things that mum might want, but in lots of different parts of the store. So, you know, diapers were in the paper goods and baby food was in the food and, you know, personal care products were in the baby aisle or, or the personal care aisles. And what they did smartly was they sort of crossed over the all the different merchandising and buying uh, barriers and they said we're focusing on busy mums how do we bring everything together so everything she needs is in one department and so they've been doing that for a number of years it's not new news but they're really working hard to keep that very fresh and very relevant very timely as well as building in a digital component to that so you know it's easier to get your promotions through their their cartwheel app their merchandising is easier, the signing is easier. And so they're doing a lot to make mum's shopping trip there faster, less stressful, and actually quite fun. I think the others that I've seen more with a bit of digital going on is there's a company called Stitch Fix. And Stitch Fix uh, is an is an online-only subscription apparel service, clothing service, where you can, you know, define your profile, and they send you boxes of clothes uh, at whatever frequency you want and how much you're willing to pay uh, on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, however you want them. And so that sounds sort of weird and wonderful, but it is both for people who are not quite sure what goes with what and wants to look, want to look good. It's also for busy mums, busy households. They've expanded into uh, products for a range for children, so the same kinds of things where it says, listen, we can help you curate what you need at the price point you can afford. You don't have to think about it. Spring, summer, winter, fall, autumn, and, and we will ship it to you on whatever level, level you want. Uh, increasingly, I'm hearing from mums that this is a really efficient way not only to make their lives easier for what they wear to work in every day, but also to have for their kids. So I think that's a pure play online subscription service that's thinking about the needs of the entire family, but especially mums, mums with kids. Just talking about that, uh, we had a session on that uh, at a conference that I attend in New York each year last year, and we were talking about Kidbox, which which is an example of, you know, you get clothes sent through for your kids each season. But what they love about that was the surprise and delight element of actually opening the box and the unveiling. And the same for mum, that joy and surprise of, oh, you know, what goodies have I got, you know, coming to me coming to me this season. So I think that that also makes it a really interesting experience for mum as well. Yeah, and I, and I think that's really true. And I think it's really important to understand that because that goes back to the discussion we were having about remember who she is. You know, she's not just the housekeeper or the executive. She's also a woman who, you know, gets joy in moments whenever she can find moments. And that ability to not only just take it off the list, but also the lovely surprise when you open it and think, oh, look at that. Who thought about that? Wouldn't I look good in that kind of thing? Is is really a very powerful uh, connection to somebody when you, again, are addressing this person as an individual and not just as a, a job description, if you will. Mm, very, very interesting. So for our listeners that are, that, are, that are here today, I want you to think about your retail offering and are you capitalising on the trends that some of the trends that Wendy's shared with us today? Are you delivering a customer experience which meets with mum's expectations? Now, Wendy, I'd love to ask you, it's been a really fascinating discussion that, that we've had today and I really appreciate your time and your expertise being shared. If someone wants to get more information about WSL Strategic retail or reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, the easiest way for them to see the sort of portfolio or panorama of what we do and also get some free access to information is to come to our website, which is a bit long, but it's www.wslstrategicretail.com. 
And when you come to that website, you'll see our blog, trend alerts that we have. All of that is free. You'll see the range of of research and services we have. You can connect with us. You can send us a, a note and we'll get back to you really fast. So all of those things, you can certainly send me. I'm, I'm big into, you know, face-to-face personal connections. So my email is uh, W-L-I-E-B, as in boy, M-A-N-N, as in Nancy. So wliebman at wslstrategicretail.com. And love to hear from everybody. That's wonderful. And for our listeners, I'll make sure that we put all of those links along with all the other businesses that we've spoken about uh, during our interview with Wendy. They will be in the show notes. So you will be easily, you will be able to access those very easily. Now, Wendy, I would really like to thank you for sharing your knowledge and tips with us today and being part of Marketing to Mums, the podcast. It's a pleasure. Lovely to talk to you, Katrina. And uh, there's the opportunity, right? It's all about mums if people pay attention. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Wendy. I've had the pleasure of knowing Wendy for a very long time and have enjoyed many retail marketing discussions over the years. We've talked about and touched on many of those brands in this interview. So it's one of those interviews where I really encourage you to head over to the Marketing to Mums website to get hold of the show notes, which will have all those easy links for you to have a look at those brands that we discussed and also some great links so that you can get in contact with Wendy and her team at WSL Strategic Retail. Thank you for listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organisation by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer, mums. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favorite guest was and why. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast. Don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.